0: I tend to be a pretty huge extrovert and I'm always doing stuff and I'm constantly distracted. And so what I like a good way that I try to describe it to people who don't understand the applications or strength or whatever of meditation, they're like, well, what's that all about? And I'm just like during the day, all you're doing is reacting all the time. And so you're just giving yourself a vacuum to process that stuff and see what's actually coming up. And so you're just like allotting yourself the ability to now go back and
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Meeting Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Meeting Curiosity is a podcast all about exploring the precarious human experience and we challenge ourselves and everyone listening to think, question, and synthesize wherever your curiosity takes you. This particular episode is a little bit different than our usual format. Over the weekend, I attended a live training with the mindset company, Compete to Create, In person, we covered the training principles of high performers, and in the actual episode, I go into more detail about the company and what it entails. But in this particular episode, we go deep on how to train your mind, and we go a little bit deeper specifically into mindfulness. And at first, I was going to do more broad on this one, is like how to train your mind, broadly speaking, but it seemed like we wanted to circle around mindfulness as a topic. And so From For a little while now, we'll try to intersperse how to train your mind as like a sub-genre of podcasts within Feeding Curiosity. That is not to say we're gonna be only doing this kind of stuff, but this is a new area that I think is totally worth, you know, expanding on and pulling back layers on it. And now to kind of pull back for a second, the reason I say mindfulness rather than meditation is very, very specific and comes from Compete to Create. The act of mindfulness, turns meditation into a skill-based activity. And what I really want to get across here is kind of making it broadly accessible to more people, to kind of get rid of the bad PR that has mindfulness around it. And in previous episodes, like Nicole Davis, who was my mindset coach, who I got to meet at Seattle, really helped explain this concept. I think it's really important in trying to disseminate these ideas to broader audiences so that they might be able to try it might be able to, you know, blueprints here. We're trying to create a framework to allow these high level ideas or these ideas that allow people to perform better in every aspect of their life. That's what it's all about. So in this particular conversation, I'm joined with Nick Bugle, who's been on the show many times at this point, and it does not disappoint at all. And I am really looking forward to expanding on these ideas. And at the end of the podcast, we ask for help. Like, what did we not say right? Or what can you guys add to this thought pile, basically? Like, what can you, what have you taken away? If you've practiced mindfulness or what is stopping you from wanting to try to implement a mindfulness-like routine into your diet? So with that, everyone, please enjoy this conversation on how to train your mind, in mindfulness. so Nick? Been a little um, while since we've had you on the show, um, but today's like kind of a special episode in some respects. You know, we just kind of preambled about what it is I've been up to lately. Which, I mean, I kind of been doing this for a while. So, for full context, um, like Friday, so three days ago, I was in Seattle. I took a trip out from Chicago and went to. Seattle, Washington, in the downtown area to attend a in-person training with a company called Compete to Create. Um, for those of you who are a long-time guest on the podcast, or listeners of the podcast for that matter, I might find that familiar because I did have one of my coaches from that company, Nicole Davis, a two-time former Olympian, um, come on the podcast after I completed the online version of the course called Finding Your Best. And with that, we kind of covered, so the Online course is about six weeks long, kind of like your standard online coursework that anyone if you are buying something that's not like out of a school. And it's all about mindset principles and how to train your mind to be your best. And it doesn't matter what domain that means. It's just being better across all domains, you know, personal career, hobbies, relationships, anything. It's just how to be a better performer, period. It doesn't have to be high performer, but just better. And so... I did the first ever personal live training with a cohort of about 25 of us and also attended a live podcast with Finding Mastery hosted by Michael Gervais, where they interviewed Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks. And both Michael Gervais and Pete Carroll are the co-founders of Compete to Create. So that long preamble is all to say that I've been doing mindset training for a while now, but this is the first time I got to go in person to meet my coaches and to meet the team behind it and as well as meet other people who are in this community, basically, which was really, really fun. And so I wanted to bring more people on this, but this is the first time I'm talking about the principles behind it with another person who hasn't been directly impacted by it as much as me. So that's why Nick is here, to kind of bounce these ideas off and to see if we can explain and work through it together to make it digestible to people who aren't already, I don't know, what what would be the word? Like, uh, on the road, like motivated by it or understand it intuitively. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm thinking we'll start today's podcast. And the first thing is where do you fall on this spectrum, Nick, like about mindset training or did you even think you could train your mind or stuff like that?
0: Uh, I did, I did think that I could change train my mind for me was change my perspective or means of thinking or scope of thinking mm-hmm. and um, I think I have done that quite not I don't want to say well I don't think it's an ever I don't <laughs> think it's ever ending but compared yeah. to how I might have processed things last year versus how I process them now
2: mm-hmm.
0: I still have the frame of reference and especially because I especially recently was like you know kind of a readdressing some some of my actions in the past and stories mm-hmm. I tell and even stories that I used to think were comical before, or at least were anecdotal. I'm just kind of like, well, man, I don't see that as fruitful as much or things like that. And, uh, it's, it's partly from exposing myself to a lot of different stuff and different people yeah. and, um, trying to be more empathetic. Um, and so it's just, I spent so much time trying to find new things to change that, that now I feel like I might need to almost go back like, mm-hmm. and think, okay, here are situations where I...
1: Take, like, a review of, like, what's changed or what's working and not working, kind of?
0: Uh, in a sense, that would be that would be the end product of what I would want to do. But what I would want to do is kind of, like, look back at situations where I felt justified or where I took swift action or did something else. And, like, um, it's interesting because I was actually talking with a buddy last night. Uh, oh, wow. Maida, and he oh, cool. uh, he um, was saying, like... Basically, when they review your brain, Mm -hmm. what I'm paraphrasing like crazy, you could probably say it better. Um, But so when they review your brain activity while you're reacting to something, there is the like millisecond uh, synaptic connection happening where it's like, okay, this is your reaction. Mm -hmm. And then like I've kind of always said you have the ability to take a breath like Mm -hmm. with the human brain and us being technically still animalistic and all these things. You're not always completely dictating your behavior, especially with all the hormones and things going on in your body at all times. You know, I think our frontal lobe does a good job of justifying all these things and gathering it into like, no, this was your decision. Um, But I think there's a lot that can skew us off path of what we think our character is or what we want to act in interest of. And um, so we got into talking about that, about like kind of back to free will, not Mm -hmm. what we were directly addressing, but like the... Like, can you control your moment-to-moment response? Yeah, because your response isn't even something that, like, really happens directly Mm -hmm. in your processing center, I guess. uh, Again, I'm getting really into paraphrasing. But it's it's not something that you would see as, like, your actual thinking. It's just something that happens behind the scenes and then you enact it kind of thing. Yeah. So it's already been, before it's even, like, before me saying these words comes into my brain, it's already (laughs) happened. And I'm already just kind of spewing it out. And, like... I don't know I think, I don't know psychologically that there's a way to train those things, but I think there's a train. At there least. absolutely is. There is. Yeah.
1: So that's kind of what we were talking about is, is being able to, <clears throat> what you're basically kind of going around is these ideas of like control, focus, calm, confidence. These are like the big words, right? That we're, that you're circling around because it's like emotional response, you know, you're like your activation basically. So there's, there's a graph that we were talking about is basically like when you become activated, there's a, there's like a number. So you have activation, which is like a physiological activation of it. Like, you know, if I had you go speak in front of a crowd, you, you'd feel, you know, that physiological, like your heart rate gets, you start sweating, you uh, maybe have a heart rate increase, all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. then the y-axis of that graph would be your performance. And so... The graph looks like a standard bell curve so like around four five and six is the top of the curve with the performance and then when you get to like seven eight nine and ten you have a decrease in performance and but when it when the environment is too too low stress and when the environment is too high activation you see a negative impact on your performance so the idea is kind of put yourself in that sweet spot Cause I'm assuming you you felt both of those areas. Like yeah. when you're in a class and you don't feel engaged and you're just tired and the professor's too slow and boring. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, you're, you're just, Oh, I just wanted it to be over. Yeah. Or if you're too stressed out, you feel frazzled and you're like, fuck, I don't have enough time to get anything done. Or like I, you know, or you're like, I fucked up that last play. I, I didn't hit the ball. Right. And you're just going through the loop of like. What could I like? You micromanaging yourself, and then you're too activated, and then you start messing up even more, and then it just drives you into that yeah. gutter even further. Mm-hmm. It's just two types of perspective there, right? But the idea is, if you can train your mind, you can at once recognize, have an awareness that oh, I'm understimulated here, or I'm overstimulated here, and then it's baking in tools for yourself to pull yourself to the middle line to perform at your best no matter the given situation
0: mm-hmm. so is that is that like trying to not control but maybe change aspects of the situation or is that just improving your discipline of stress mental management?
1: It's, it's it's all it's all mental because okay, yeah. because when you're so the your thoughts drive your actions which drive your behaviors
0: mm-hmm.
1: or your behaviors drive your thought well sorry you're right like the first way your thoughts drive your 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 actions which then become behaviors over time okay you know, so then you have this feedback loop where you start, you know, if you can align your thoughts, words, and actions, that's what it means to be a high performer. Like, that's the whole point of training your mind is to, because, so this is really funny for me because I've never said this to anyone yet, but it keeps coming back to me. Is like, you, we've all met people who don't, who act and do differently. Mm-hmm. You know, don't yeah. do as I say, not say as I do is like the old proverb for that. Mm-hmm. And the one that comes to my mind every time I hear like, people say this thing about like thoughts, words, and action is like the guy who's smoking finishing up his smoke break and looks at you and says, hey, kid, <laughs> don't smoke. <Yeah. laughs> and it's like, yep. dude, come on.
2: Because
1: yeah. <laughs> they don't realize that they're doing one thing and saying another and they're yeah. undermining their credibility. Mm-hmm. And so it comes down to this authenticity thing that they don't even know what they represent. You know? Yeah. And so that's kind of the whole point of this stuff is to kind of at the very minimum, regardless of high performance, like you can forget about and drop that off the whatever for right now. Performing comes down to aligning what you do, like what you think, what you say, and what you do. Mm -hmm. And if you can get really clear on what that means for yourself, then you're gonna just start making like you're gonna start knocking over dominoes. Yeah. Ideally. Because then you're like, oh wait, everything becomes clear. Like so, you know, you kind of just remove the blinders and be like, oh wow, that was in my way before. Yeah. Or maybe I got a little activated from this thing, like finding trigger points in your like, like your life, and being like, huh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be around that situation. Like I'm getting triggered by this, so maybe you need to remove that trigger for a little while.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: add in tools that can help you not
0: be as <laughs> yeah. triggered by it. See that's and that's interesting though too is like so. I would almost say uh, that's actually one of those things that I set me on path to start thinking, okay, I might need to address moments in the past where I felt Mm -hmm. justified because I actually did something like that where I didn't focus on my mental discipline at all. I was just like, I don't like this factor in my life, so I removed that factor. And unfortunately, that factor was a person. And that's still somewhat impacting me to this day because we have mutual people in our lives and things like that. And i just like never really apologized or anything like that i didn't i mean there was also an aftermath that was like sloppy and all these things and i just wanted to like not deal with it which is exactly why Mm -hmm. i said i don't necessarily want this person in my life i don't want to deal with it and want to getting blown up Mm -hmm. which was even more justification for me at the time to be like thank goodness i'm away from this but at the same time again it's still having impacts and i think that's something you know not necessarily directly, mm-hmm. but it's still something that I, like, come back to mm-hmm. and might come up and things like that. Well, and it's I, just, like, I wish I had been more mature back then, but it was really, mm-hmm. like, about recognition of time management. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to two schools right now, and I have two jobs, and I just want to enjoy my free time. And yeah. whenever this person is around, it really just upsets me. Like, it's it's never productive. It's never interesting. I always mm-hmm. feel bad about myself because they're so rude. And they're just like, all of their behavior is a negative impact on me. So, and I never went out of my way to directly in the beginning to be like, hey, I don't want you in my life. Yeah. I just realized I did the math and I was like, okay, so-and-so and 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 so-and-so are the ones bringing them around. Mm -hmm. So I'll just ask them to not bring that person. Gotcha. Um, But again, it's just like, I don't know, that was like my 18 or 19-year-old solution to Mm -hmm. a problem was like, ah, can't deal with it, eliminate it. And I think that might have, you know, and I'm glad I have the scope now to be like, okay, I need to improve my discipline. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also a middle ground of like, you know.
1: I think there's a middle ground too, but I think also understanding that someone, that you can see what the variable is. Because a lot of times people are not even going to be able to look at that and be like, oh, wait, this person is what's driving my behavior. Because a lot of you know, we all have that one friend who's like, "Oh, every time I go, that one friend, all of a sudden, you know, they drink and I go crazy. Next thing you know, I'm blackout drunk." Right? We've all had those scenarios. where Something like that happens. Um, And I think a lot of this comes down to is like putting space between the stimulus and the response. Um, in general, Mm -hmm. because as you as you train a lot of these things, you can kind of you have whatever trigger that the stimulus is that you're experiencing. And instead of having your knee-jerk, you know, flight-or-flight reaction, like the physiological response of, Mm -hmm. like, am I going to run away or am I going to put my head in the sand? (laughs) And you have that. All all these tools kind of help you bake in that, like, if it's a Venn diagram, kind of separate the two circles out and say, Mm -hmm. oh, I can actually put something in here to kind of diffuse the scenario and be like, oh, there it is. Like, there's this little nugget of, like, oh, I, I handled this way better. Right, because there's going to be points in time where you're where you're didn't get enough sleep, or mm-hmm. like you're trying to get out the door and like you forgot where your keys were, and your left shoes falling off, and you didn't have a clean shirt and
2: yeah. all that crap,
1: and then you yeah. you're, you get to work and someone's like, oh right, you had a meeting at you know nine o'clock and yeah. you didn't know about it or you're late, and so next thing you know the next person that says something to you blow up at them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it's not what you want to do and it's not their fault, <laughs> but you have to figure out how to master yourself in that situation and a lot of times all of these tools kind of bake into being able to do that and that comes and it's not just in career though it's like your your best friend or your your wife or your girlfriend or your kids you know and it's like how your language and behavior are shaped by the internal landscape and it's run by the internal landscape but most of the time in the background mm-hmm. it's just software that's just there and is yeah. driven by experiences you've had or you know stuff that happened when you were really really little that you didn't know about yeah and you have no real control over that unless you And i put quotes around that i hope my mm-hmm. en- and <laughs> enunciation made it clear but you can kind of pull back the curtain i guess so to speak by yeah. looking at these things and going deeper mm-hmm. right I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> no, 100 yeah. And, like,
0: mm, I just had a thing. I thought, now it's gone.
1: <laughs> um, so I think from here, we should kind of, I don't know, maybe talk about some of the, the main pillars of this stuff. So there was, like, 18 core principles here, and they all kind of overlap really, really heavily. Um, but the first aspect that kind of ties all of this together is, like, Are you putting in the time for yourself, uh, like, recovery-wise? Like, Mm -hmm. this comes down with moving, eating and drinking, sleeping and thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, So, moving well is pretty obvious here, right? Like, doing 15 minutes of activity a day or something like that. It's like one hour of cardio or two hours of cardio, one hour of strength training. Mm -hmm. Something simple per week. Like, Mm -hmm. it's nothing crazy. Like, we're not we all have to realize at some point that most of us aren't going to be high builders or competitive athletes in, in that respect, but you just got to do something. Like we spend too much time sitting that you just got to move your body a little bit. And um, from what I can say um, just from like a psychological well-being side of this is if you're feeling overactive in your mind, get out of the, get out of your mind and into your body mm-hmm. is kind of the way I, I say it. <laughs> and then it goes vice versa with when it comes to mindfulness It's like, if you're feeling like, antsy or something like get out of the body and get into the mind like just try to sit still yeah and um one of the things we talked about during the course was i thought it was really really cool um was like be where your feet are i thought that was such a cool little trigger of like because we just don't think about our feet like you put your shoes on and your socks on in the day in the morning and then that's kind of the last time you think about it until you take your shoes off when you get home for the most part. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, like, I don't know, I just thought that was a really cool trigger to kind of trigger mindfulness. And um, for those of you, the uninitiated, I'm saying mindfulness really specifically. Um, this is one of the reasons, uh, one of the the key points. And I'm not sure if you can build on this or this might resonate with you a little bit, Nick. But uh, they changed the word. So this is interchangeable meditation, basically. So it's meditation equals mindfulness. Mm-hmm. But the reason we change it is that mindfulness is a skill where meditation has all these connotations and context that makes it really, really mm-hmm. intangible, right? Like it generates images in the brain that make it feel like not us <laughs> or it makes yeah. it feel like you're doing it wrong. And um, so that's where this, why I'm saying mindfulness specifically. And, and that part of the reason mindfulness, like once it was worded this way for me or like given as a skill based thing, it really broke through and made sense. Um, so I don't know if you can articulate any sort of ideas or, like, what it was like for you to get into mindfulness or mm-hmm. meditation-like
0: practices. Um, I don't know. I I think the reason I was ever interested was at a very young age, I realized, I grew up, I was, like, a massive cinephile as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I realized um, in every single movie uh, that you ever watch, and maybe not, this is generalizing like crazy, mm-hmm. but when you want someone with, like, capitalistic success mm-hmm. or whatever, they usually um like show you someone from Western culture. Yeah. And then whenever they want to show wisdom or like sound mind, they often go for like Middle Eastern or Asian Absolutely. culture from yeah. and then this, again this is, this is Western movie production, so it's a little biased in that execution. But mm-hmm. and I also understood that like um Buddhism was in high correlation with those cultures. Yep. And it had spread pretty well and then i took classes on it. it was like oh my gosh this is really cool mm-hmm. and i started encountering more and more people who were about mindfulness and i just like you know as i got older realized the strength and the people i looked up to often celebrated these things mm-hmm. and so eventually i got into it and i like didn't really know what to do myself i think i once i think i meditated once and it's interesting the more and more i read up or hear about this um not to credit or discredit myself. But they say, like, it's really hard for someone to sit still and just focus. And, Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't, you know, as someone meditates for an elongated period of time, you'll see different things start to arise in their brain if you Mm -hmm. do brain
1: scans. FMRIs. The the science. So it's really important that you bring that up because, Mm -hmm. you know, as a scientist, an engineer, that was kind of one of the things for me that it's like it was intangible, right? Like, we Mm -hmm. don't know what's happening in the brain or we didn't, right? Like, you're sitting there and you're struggling and you're, you know, you're thinking about what you should eat next during the 10 minutes that you're trying to be, mm-hmm. be mindful about it. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, why am I just stuck in this loop about my left toe itches or yeah. my, you know, the, the gof- gophers run wild in your brain.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and you, you, you're you thinking you're doing it wrong that whole time. Yeah. Until someone tells you like, no, 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 that's the whole point. The whole point is for whatever duration you pick, you're, you're not even there. Like the whole point is to realize, oh wait, I am distracted, yeah, and I do suck at this, mm-hmm. and to come back to it and be like, okay, I'm gonna try again. Like yeah. listen to your brain, like listen to your, your breath. Or um, I don't know if you've kind of taken it as far, but there's two types of uh, mindfulness and meditation. It's single point focus, so that's like the breath, you know, mm-hmm. deep breaths, you know, five seconds in, or it's like three seconds in, six seconds out, something like that, or four seconds in, six seconds out. That's like the standard, you know. Pay attention to your breath, belly, mm-hmm. you know, diaphragmatic breathing, yeah. that whole thing. That's kind of like most of the apps nowadays are kind of built around that.
2: Yeah.
1: But there's also the contemplative mindfulness where you ask yourself a question and you say, what do I, like, what am I, what do I stand for? Or like, what am I or mm-hmm. who am I? And then you, you just keep going with that question. That's harder, like way harder. I mm-hmm. haven't even come close to even wanting to tread into that territory yet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was like right down the middle. And this is what I was getting at. With I'll, I'll answer that question and then circle back to what I was saying. Cool, yeah. Um, I, I think I meditated once on my own. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I didn't. I don't know. The, the sequence isn't super important. But I joined at some point, um, started going to like a meditation group. Oh, cool. i was like i don't think i know what i'm doing yeah. so let's see if there's anything and they were they doing guided meditations essentially yeah um they yeah. would have it be like a group of nine people in a room and these were people like you think of meditation you think of a quiet room in a peaceful place these were people who had gone to india or grew up in india and india where they were at is not a quiet place mm-hmm. so they learned to meditate yeah with i can a only lot imagine of external distractions and so i just like even hearing that i was like okay i even trust these people more about the practice and everything so they taught me the mantra style and i meditated with them a few times and felt tired afterwards wow and didn't have any like in my brain anything but i was like i think maybe it was like a little bit of an add thing or something but i was Mm -hmm. having trouble being like which they mentioned it was like i was like my back kind of itches now and this and that and i think that's something that as you do it more and more you get away from yeah absolutely but so then i meditated in my room Uh, so I think this was probably after I joined the group and I meditated in my room completely alone. House was empty. And I think it's probably like maybe like a 15 minute thing. And uh, if I had to guess, let's say 10 minutes in, I had this massive buzz just overcome me. Wow. Like it was just this huge. Like you are energized? I guess. Like the only other time I felt like this was when I was like super high strung about something. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And then the person that I had felt that way about let me like decompress and channel all that information towards them, and they just took it. And it was like the first time I was able to realize, manifest, and just like pour all of it out. And I was like, I felt this massive rush of like the stress is gone. Mm-hmm. And so, something akin to that came I don't want to say came over me, but it was just like this massive buzz of just kind of like, I don't know. And then wow. I uh, opened my eyes, and a bunch of stuff just flowed out. And I texted you some of that. Mm-hmm. I took a bunch of notes. Oh, um, yeah.
1: It was a, some of the, like, Buddhist notes. And, yeah. Oh, it's seen Buddhist undertones at the very least. Yeah.
0: And, that's, I, and I was also reading on Buddhism at the time yeah. and all these kind of things. So, like, you know, reading up on things that were about removal of the ego and, like, little mm-hmm. things like that. And so all of a sudden, all this stuff just kind of, like, clicked in my brain and I almost had to like just vomit it into my like notes and my phone and just be like <laughs> ah don't forget this don't forget yeah. that and I even like so I organized it a little bit and then even sent it to a friend and they're like oh what's that an excerpt from and I was like mm-hmm. that's my brain um but so it, it you know it just kind of like clicked but so I was taught quote-unquote the mantra style and inevitably wound okay. up in the not the who am i but i now what i do when i meditate is just kind of like try to clear my head so then i can figure out what thoughts are bombarding me and then think about why
1: oh wow okay so you're like looking at like if there's a common thought pattern that you're having uh, not
0: even common no just anything like there's definitely something that like you can tell like what i'm gonna eat for dinner later is not something critical
1: no right. that's what i mean like it's like thought patterns like deeper than okay, that yeah, like yeah like There's something bothering me about, like, my life or, like, my trajectory of, like, where I'm at Mm -hmm. in, in, like, work or something. Like, just something that's nagging at you, but you didn't... You weren't paying attention enough to be aware of it. Yeah. Like, you're you're finally giving yourself the the time to be receptive of whatever that's rolling in the background that you're trying to process through. Exactly,
0: yeah. And that's, like, to people who don't necessarily... That's interesting. Understand or see. I would see. never have
1: gotten that like if you told me that, like a year ago. Like I would have been like, what?
0: Hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> kinda, I mean, same.
1: I, like I'm really trying, I'm really trying, the reason I'm like wanted to get onto this particular thing is because I want to be able to talk about it in such a way that it makes it accessible to people who may or may not have ever been <clears> exposed <throat> to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I think when you start talking about mindfulness, there's a certain subsection of people, even though it is buzzy and trendy and all of that, Association with it, there's still a lot of people that are like, "What the hell?" Mm -hmm. Because they still think of that, like that monk who sits, you know, the very eastern. They think of the guy who's a Tibetan monk who sits on the cliff and that's all he does every day, day in and day out. Mm -hmm. That's what mindfulness is. Yes and no. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, you don't have to be that guy. Yeah. To get value from this thing.
0: Yeah. Well, so I think mine might be a little bit of a special circumstance too, and that maybe I didn't have this like massive. aura revelation Mm -hmm. but it was just like I tend to be a pretty huge extrovert and I'm always doing stuff and I'm constantly distracted and so what I like a good way that I try to describe it to people who don't understand the applications or strength or whatever of meditation they're like oh what's that all about and I'm just like During the day, all you're doing is reacting all the time. And so you're just giving yourself a vacuum to process that stuff and see what's actually coming up. And so you're just like allotting yourself the ability to now go back and process, which is something that actually (sighs) I just realized now. Like, So I'll have this thing where I wake up every morning and there's like a solid 15 minutes where I'm like oh, man, what am I doing with my life? And it's, it can't, it's not necessarily dark, but it's, like, very objective. Like, you're just asking yourself, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's demeaningly objective Damn. in a way. And it's just kind of like, okay, you're an adult that makes art for a living. Mm-hmm. What are you impacting the world with? What are you <laughs> going to be doing in 10 years? And mm-hmm. it's, like, a regular thought that's, like, it's not – It's a little bit daunting, but it's, and it's not like invited. It's just kind of like, all right, like this is where my headspace is at when I Mm -hmm. wake up and nothing and my head's clear because I'm just waking up. And then as I'm going to sleep and I have that, like, if there's ever a night where I can't fall asleep, that's where I'll go again. And then eventually drift off. But like, and that didn't happen before I started meditating, which I've only meditated like five times. I I want you to
1: go ahead and say what you said before about mindfulness or meditating. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it provides, what does it provide for you? Like a a vacuum. Yeah, I think yeah. Oh, man that's so cool. I really like the way that because it really kind of adds that for me because like you said we're we're so overstimulated in the world. Mm-hmm. Like um they we even mentioned this while we were taking the course. It was like the day of training the the reason mindfulness seems to have such an upswing it's correlated so what you know what happened in 2007 and
0: 2008 mindfulness shot up.
1: That and what was the correlated <laughs> correlation? Oh yeah,
0: then? uh people were probably really high strung in the corporate world because of the recession.
1: It was that and
0: the iPhone was released. Oh, okay.
1: Cool. So so what that means like yeah, exactly. So it's recession, iPhone, and then all of the apps that became associated with the iPhone. So you had, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, mm-hmm. all of that stuff started going crazy. So for the first time ever, we started as a collective group of humanity mm-hmm. was starting to be bombarded by notifications that are Coming at us all day, every day. You know, our phone is vibrating. You know, the the you know the phantom vibration.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
1: That is something about our stimulation. We're overstimulated, so that we feel like we're stimulated even when we're not stimulated. Mm-hmm. So the idea right there is like you have a dopamine drip in your brain, given to a, by a piece of technology. Mm-hmm. So step one for those of you out there, just turn off like ninety percent of your t- notifications today. Like, just do it. Go do it right now, please. Um, and I don't like telling people what to do, but like <laughs> you'll, you'll notice something change if you do that. Yeah. Um, and if you really want to get like super nerdy about this, um, you can like reorganize your entire phone to kind of
2: mm-hmm.
1: make it work for you. Um, or you can actually just go grayscale mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like if you remove a lot of the colors, it makes it way less distracting.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and you can just look it up. Uh, just type in like grayscale iphone or something like that it's under accessibility and you can change tints it's really really helpful um it does work
0: yeah. <laughs> i do have better when i was in college i probably shouldn't have because there was like a couple of sketchy patches i would walk along mm-hmm. but when i was in college there'd be days where i would just like i would like leave my phone in my apartment and just go walk for four hours that's awesome and like and I'm happy when I'm out and my phone dies or mm-hmm. when I was in Arizona, my phone broke and I was bummed for a little bit. And then that was like a really cool two or three days. Yeah. Just no distraction.
1: I think for me too, like I think for the last six months or so, I, I've been really trying to do this thing of like cultivating presence, you know, mm-hmm. and unselfish, like it's, this is selfish to say this, but it's also not selfish. Like the, the, the podcast itself is a reason like a facilitator of being present. Because, like, when I'm in these conversations with you, and it's, like, one of the high points that I love to explain about these conversations is that during the time we record, we are not checking our phones. Like, I've never really told anyone that we shouldn't be using our phone. But for the most part, nobody does it unless they're fact-checking themselves and want to be really correct with something. But for the most part, we're not doing it. And I think that is, like, one of the special things about it because in most modern society, you know, someone gets a text message or, like, oh, sorry, I got to, like, check like send this email for you really quick or, you know, they got to be at their next appointment. Right. And I I think when we can kind of cultivate presence, you know, being here and now, you know, be where your feet are Mm -hmm. every, at every stage, like as many of those moments back to back, Mm -hmm. you can really have a richness in your experience of the world that you don't get otherwise. Yeah. Because if you're projecting too far forward or you're pulling yourself back and be like, Oh man, you know, remember what I had at work today and you're complaining about, you know, some, I rate customer, or you almost got cut off at work, and that becomes your your loop for the whole day, and you're mm-hmm. like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, you know, you lose what you could be having by by those things. And I know this can sound really fluffy to some of these guys out there, but it really isn't mm-hmm. fluffy. Like if you can, you know, be un like in the moment. Like I heard a, a story in a podcast where they, the guy he has he had a little girl, and she was trying to show him something about his, her day or something, but he was like on his phone and kind of like half paying attention. And then by the time he was like done looking at his phone and looked over, she'd walked away. Cause like, well, I guess I'm not important. And I, yeah. you know, it was like, you're sending these messages to people around you without even realizing. It. And, and the fortunate thing about kids is they're really, they, they're receptive to those things. And so, you know, if you don't really have the awareness, then you're like, oh shit. But if you, you know, you could really easily just be like, oh, she just lost interest and mm-hmm. just let it go. But, you know, I don't know. I just think like right now we're in this really scary time because like sure you can find teachers and stuff and do these things, but it's like the other 90% of your day when you're not sitting in a comfortable environment to be present and mindful mm-hmm. is when you really have to apply these things. Um so I don't know if you've ever like thought about trying to do these things when you feel stressed out or something like that, like like at work and you feel mm-hmm. like fuck, I'm like totally stressed out like Do you do anything like that?
0: I I do. I'll usually notice if I start to get really spacey or feel hazy, I'm like, hmm, that ain't a good sign. Or if I start to get a headache, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't think this is, like, too much coffee or something. Mm -hmm. And it could be. It's true, yeah. Um, But I usually, I'll assess, like, all right, how much caffeine have I had? When was the last time I didn't have coffee? Mm -hmm. When was the last time I ate? And, like... That's a really important thing. Yeah, but my, usually my heart rate is, like, a really big indicator. And there's been days where, like, my heart rate's elevated for, like... Not, like, supremely at all, but it's just kind of, like, you notice it. It's just high enough for you to be, like, hmm, that feels off. And I'll be, like, it'll be, like, two hours of me having, like, kind of an elevated heart rate. Mm-hmm. And, like, we have side offices for that, so you can go into one of those. and the lights oh, that's are neat. off. And, like, we usually, like, you know, most of us in my little department, we use those for kind of, like, the migraine days and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'll also, like, try... I started working in the atrium way more, and it's just this massive room. Like, it's... More um,
1: natural light and stuff?
0: Yeah, you could probably fit, like, three... 4 story houses in there oh wow it's, it's like well not height wise but like lengthwise right yeah maybe even four houses worth of space and there's just a lot of trees and it's all natural oh, that's a neat. little babbling brook and it's just like really really cool like i pretty much start every morning there now mm-hmm. and i've noticed i'm less stressed when i'm at work can you focus better there out of curiosity i think i think things i feel how do i put this Things are less daunting, okay, but it's equalized by like a little more distraction, okay. But I wouldn't even say equalized. I would say it's like, it, but they, it's like bad. Dis- it's not. It's more like white noise, right? Essentially, yeah. It's just kind of well. It's it's easier. Like if I'm in my cubicle surrounded by gray, I have my screen <laughs> full of color, and I'm yeah. like, this is what's up. Um, but even in that cubicle, there's times where it's like, you know, I'll get a request for something that has like 15 miniature ad sets, and obviously, I'm gonna get it done. That's my job. Like, but there's like. There's projects where part of my brain is like, ooh, man, we're going to have to crack our knuckles at this. And mm-hmm. then there's other ones where it's just like, I'm already in it, don't think twice, and I'm doing it. And so when I'm in the atrium, I still think about that, ooh, I'm going to have to crack my knuckles a little bit. But it's not daunting. Yeah. it's I go I go at it quicker. And okay. It's, you know, I don't know. So. It doesn't feel like as claustrophobic, mentally speaking. Yeah, I would say that. It, I don't think I have to mentally prepare myself to get into it mm-hmm. at all. It's just, I know I still have that thought, which is probably just my own thing, Yeah, but it's less active when I'm there. Cool. But that being said, that's, that's at work. And so that might mean that I carry less stress away from work into mm. the rest of my life, but I can't say I'm necessarily, there's other things I have to do outside of work to stay yeah. less stressed. It's not like, okay, there's no stress in work. So now I have room <laughs> for stress on my radar other places. Yeah, And I think, you know, I'm still like, just ever working to try and better discipline myself, which it's, <laughs> well, I'm getting better about the reaction, but I, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that feeds into the thought processes. <laughs> Cause like even the other day with like timing and stuff, you know, in all reality, no one was going to die. Nothing was going to get messed up. But I was like, Ooh, I feel like I'm going to show up a little bit late to this thing. And someone's relying on me and I don't want to be that guy that shows up late and makes them wait kind of thing mm-hmm. because it was just like a, a very timely situation. And like nothing could have changed in traffic. I couldn't yeah. have controlled that. I could just drive and do the speed limit, <laughs> and like find yeah. that perfect balance of like, okay, well, I don't want to get pulled over because then I'll tack on more time. You know, that's so just, interesting. There's a specific like, it's just gonna happen, and so yeah. I knew that, but I was still like kind of high strung, like oh, and I was yeah. like, there's no use to this, and I wasn't like openly like ah, oh, you know, I there was no like road rage involved or anything like that, and mm-hmm. like. But it, I, I, I still, like, have that stress there, and I'm hoping that eventually being mindful in that regard or yeah. thinking about it before being like, hey, get off the road kind of thing, which I'm not the type to, like, shut out my window, <laughs> right. but, like, you know, I'll be in my car and, like, ooh, you don't know how to drive.
1: Kind of grabbing the steering wheel a little bit tighter or something.
0: Uh, nah, but. <laughs> I, I mean, I think. I, think, I see what you saying, though, yeah.
1: I, I think you're what you're hitting on, though, is really important, because I've noticed that myself where I kind of get. Annoyed at myself if I'm running late and like I want to go faster, like I want to get to work sooner, right? But I think it's like when you start rushing to something, that's when mistakes happen. Mm-hmm. That's when you want to squeeze through the red light, and next thing you know, yeah. you squeeze the red light. So the other guy, and next thing you know, you have an collision.
2: Yeah,
1: um, stuff like that. Like you, you make mistakes when you're trying to get to somewhere mm-hmm. when you, it's out of your control, right? Yeah. You know how long it's going to take you on average to get to work. Yeah, and so you just have to accept that, like it's coming to terms. With what happened, mm-hmm. and like, just being okay with it.
0: Yeah, and I think there's also something too back to like being present and being empathetically mindful. Like, I don't think maybe that maybe it's the reason I decided not to honk my horn. But mm-hmm. so on the way here, like I I called yeah. you and I was like, hey, I'm a little late. Can I get coffee? Like yeah. I don't want to hold you back. And uh, so I'm coming off of the exit from 355, I mm-hmm. think, or whatever, onto like Meacham. Yeah. And someone's at the light and the light has been green for like, I'm coming up and I'm slow, but I'm still in motion because it's not a red light. I don't intend to stop. And so the car that is sitting at the green light has not moved at all. And it's been like, okay, it's like one Mississippi, Mm -hmm. two Mississippi, three Mississippi. And at this point, me honking wouldn't even be like rude. It's like, like, Hey, this is like a flow of traffic. You have places to be. I have Mm -hmm. places to be. It seems like you're not in the headspace where you should be driving right now. So let's just pull you back. Um, and then I just didn't honk and just kind of sat behind him, had, like, fully stopped at this point and was just, like, not annoyed, but I was, like, had my head turned sideways, like, I wonder. And then mm-hmm. we pulled up to the, to another red light where I was, like, hey, even if I had honked, guess what? We'd be rolling up to a, he- a red light. So we would have just gotten to this red light five seconds sooner. Big deal. Yeah. And I look over, and it's just this, like, sweet family. And the dad's, like, looking back and laughing with his kids, and the mom's having a good time, looking over, like, oh, what a good dad and all that. Yeah. And I was just like, man, like, if I had honked, would I have, like, eliminated that moment? Yeah. Would I have, like, you know... And there is a balance. Like, I think I just watched an episode of the show Community that does a really good (laughs) job where, like, um, one of the main characters keeps getting himself into antics and all of his friends keep buying him out. And I think that's one of those reasons that Mm -hmm. I value empathy so much is because there is a balance. Like, if he was holding up 50 cars and someone was, like, there's an ambulance back there, him having that moment with his family, not letting anyone go anywhere... You can say, screw that moment. If someone's life's on the line, if yeah. other people have stuff to do, that's ignorant, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's there's a perfect, there's a good balance of like, okay, I get to have these moments and no one's going to die and all yeah. these things. But then there's like, you know, there's still an outside world that no matter what, you're going to have an impact on. Yeah. So understanding your impact is key and there's just, I don't know. Like me, totally understanding agree. maybe honking wasn't the best solution and then not honking.
1: Right. I, I think it depends on the situation, obviously. There's situational awareness in all of these things. But I think a lot of times what it, what it comes down to is can you reflect on the moments, right? And it's hard to gauge progress until you're put in a moment Mm -hmm. that you realize you would have reacted in X way before. And now you're like, Oh wow. I had a a second to think about it and be like, Oh, I could have done X or Y. -hmm. And I think that's where like the power of this stuff happens, right? It's kind of like, it's really similar to working out in the sense of like physical body. Like, you know, you're working out and doing good for yourself but you don't see the minute to minute progress Mm -hmm. until weeks and months later that you're like, Oh, I am stronger than I was a month ago.
2: Yeah.
1: That's the, it's the same thing, but it's a mental rep for your brain Mm -hmm. in a different context. And I, and I think this is why this area is so important. And I, and I really, I'm thinking we're definitely gonna have to build on all of these because, but we're going to stay in this like mindfulness genre for for this episode, because it seems like that's where we naturally want to talk about. It's, and I think talking about it in this way is really powerful And um, like for me, like I started thinking about this mindfulness stuff for a a while now. And like, how do you take it out of a comfortable environment? Right? Like everyone who starts Mm -hmm. out doing this, especially with an app, you, you do it in, that's why I asked you, like, how do you do it for yourself? Mm -hmm. It's like, you start doing it with an app and it says, you know, sit up straight with your back in, you know, in a quiet room and there's no really distractions and you're trying to do that. Right. You know, like manufacture the environment so that you're not distracted and you can really get inside yourself. Mm -hmm. But, the real th- like work of this is being able to take it out of the comfortable environment the routine of the environment and apply it to the, the when the shit hits the fan mm-hmm. and so for me being the guy who likes to break things and like try to break the mold and break mm-hmm. the routine i would practice this when i would i would because when i would drive to niu for school yeah. it's an hour drive and so i'd be like well i got like a 20 minute meditation session to get done so I'm going to do my meditation while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not closing my eyes because that's yeah. stupid, but <laughs> like I'm still trying to have a mindful moment while I'm driving. Like I'm trying to, you know, maybe I'm paying attention to the vibration yeah. in the car in a different way, or I'm like paying attention to the road with more focus while that 20 minutes is going on mm-hmm. or something like that. Or it's like, maybe you're at work and you feel like you're stressed out and you mm-hmm. can't do the 20 minutes, right? You just take three deep breaths.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's it. You know yeah. between before like there's a thing they talked about, I think they gave us an example in like nursing um I think it's like you take the handle like you you do like a deliberate like three second turn of the handle and you do a deep breath and then you walk into the to see the patient, yeah, okay, stuff like that like you you try to figure out yeah. these spaces in your day that you can wrap into these these mindful moments because the science of this so I want want to throw in science in here so we're not wooey <laughs> and so, the science of this stuff is they've started to figure out, like with fMRIs, brain scans, and saying if you do these things, right, when you're in being mindful, like practicing meditation, practicing mindfulness, you're, the state of your brain is changing. Like, you're legitimately making changes in your brain. Mm-hmm. The idea, what they're trying to discover though, and they have figured out some of this, there's a book called Altered Traits. It's very, very good and does a lot of science on this stuff. It's awesome. Like mm-hmm. I really recommend if you want to get deep on the science of like what is meditation and mindfulness due to the brain, listen slash read to the book. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically what they found out is that if you do low end, eight minutes a day, high end, 20 minutes a day, anywhere between that you're really making real substantial changes in the brain that impacts your behavior.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sweet spot, 12 minutes per day. So if you fall in that window, great. Mm-hmm. This is where it gets a little tricky. If you're doing like a thousand mindful breaths every day, is that the same as doing eight minutes a day or 12 minutes a day?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't know that yet because you can't wear an fMRI all day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so th- this, that's where the stuff is going. Is like, can you get granularity? Like if you're just taking mindful breaths you know, throughout your day. Yeah. Does that have the same impact on th- your quality? I think
0: without any education <laughs> being highly speculative,
1: I'm um, not a, s- a psychologist. So yeah, this is I'm, so you've new definitely for me. have done
0: more reading from <laughs> educated people though. And I am just floating ideas <laughs> all mm-hmm. the time. Um, but I think one thing you could argue is we, when we look at the brain and how we sleep, like we just, we don't just go into REM sleep. We need to, like, get there. You can't just, like, immediately enter that. And so maybe that's something similar with meditation is you have to, like, kind of, de- you have to get there into that meditative state where you start to, like, mm-hmm. have that brain activity. Yeah, I, I um, think... But Go ahead. No, I heard the butt. I'm about to go off topic a little bit. No, it's fine. So, okay. You're good. So when you were talking about how do you put yourself in those stressful situations, mm-hmm. um, paraphrasing, but basically science mm-hmm. has shown that uh we when we think about the future we we only have memories to do that with the brain can't just up and manifest something that it's never been exposed to yeah we don't never Absolutely. Really have that capacity that's why all creativity is really just remixing you know mm-hmm. bringing things slowly into the world differently and all that and like that's the beauty of creativity is bringing something from our mind into this is even a
1: tangent this is true this is no. no this yeah. is real substantial Mm -hmm. benefits Mm -hmm. about mindfulness is you do become more creative like you're connecting dots Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't otherwise connect
0: yeah and that's uh, (laughs) exactly connecting those dots um but when you when you talk about so when you talk about how do i put myself in that situation that's stressful or see my Mm -hmm. foresee a situation that might be stressful and see how i might react or something Mm -hmm. like that um it's hard because we only have memories to project a situation that might Mm -hmm. stress us out but i like So the term, I don't know if I've talked about this on here before. Maybe I have because I like the idea when I first (laughs) thought about it. Um, But the idea of like fight fire with fire Mm -hmm. is like, you know, I think a lot of us maybe grew up hearing that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's around the people I was surrounded by and what I've seen it used in context as is, you know, if someone's being a jerk, be a jerk back. If someone's going to play dirty, play dirty back. Fight fire with fire. What fight fire with fire actually came from is when the Chicago fire was happening instead of letting the Chicago fire just continue to consume things, Mm -hmm. they would do controlled burns at certain spots where the fire was about to reach. So it was already burned out and it couldn't, the fire couldn't spread further. Oh, wow, that's neat. Yeah, so the fire couldn't spread further. And like, basically, I think how we should actually look at that and value it is, okay, I'm going to go be around this person or I'm going to go do this thing. And like, okay, I have a fear of heights and I know it's going to make me afraid. Mm-hmm. Or I know this person's going to be a jerk. So do you yeah. go in? And so for me, I I often do that anticipation, but not in a healthy way. I'm just like, ooh, I think this is going to happen. And then when I'm proven right, I'm like, mm-hmm, that's what yeah. I thought. And that's not healthy. But like, but if you get ahead of it and you're like, hey, I think Chet might say this. Yeah. And just, you know, it might emotionally me. Just kind of brace me yourself. Be- exactly. Brace yourself is the best way to put that.
1: So- I have a really good story for this. Okay. Um, And
0: it just happened. So, I
1: I don't fly much. I've only flown... So, when I went to this recent training, I flew from Chicago to... We had a layover in San Francisco and then flew from San Francisco to Seattle. I've maybe... With this trip, I've doubled the amount of times I've flown total. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I flew on four planes in the last three days. Um, I think before that, I only flew on two planes each. So, four planes total before Mm -hmm. that. So... (laughs) I don't have a lot of experience being a flyer. Mm -hmm. And as you probably know about me, I'm a pretty antsy, enthusiastic person. So if I got to sit in the same spot and be in very, you know, hurry up and wait type Mm -hmm. situations, I get antsy. Mm -hmm. And it bothers me because I'm like, fuck, I don't know what to do with myself. So that was like day day one of travel on Thursday going into Friday. I was pretty antsy by the end of the day. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait to walk around and move around and go to sleep and like stretch out that whole thing. And it sucked, kind of. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this was like the longest day ever. Just drained from traveling. Mm -hmm. So we go through the whole training and, you know, I have all these new tools of mindfulness. or new ways of thinking about it and I'm decompressing about the whole stuff. And first flight was really easy. It's like an hour and a half from Seattle to San Francisco. No problem. I kind of was reading and doing stuff. Didn't even have to think about it. Mm -hmm. Flight from San Francisco to Chicago is like three and a half hours. So I'm like getting antsy, like, my, I'm, like, noticing my knee is bouncing. I'm, like, I can't put my feet, like, flat on the ground because I just want to start fidgeting or mm-hmm. do something. Or I'm, like, looking around, you know, standard fidgety antsiness, right? Yeah. So I'm, like, well, you know, if I, was, if I was a monk, right, this would be perfect opportunity because I'm captive in this aluminum tube flying through the air. I can't go faster, right? Kind of the same mm-hmm. thing about being late to work. Like, I can't yeah. make time go faster.
0: Which you could, Or I could, right, right, and
1: so that's what I did. I'm, I'm like, all right, well, this is perfect timing to practice mindfulness. I got, you know, I got three and a half hours to kind of figure this out and just be where my feet are. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna keep saying this over and over again because I love that saying. (laughs) And um, so I did that. I wound up like just trying to. Like pay attention to my breath or think about like I did a somewhat contemplative mindfulness and I actually had like a moment of like clarity where I was just like in that moment and kind of was just, you know, kind of like what you said, where you had all these thoughts and things that were flying through or I don't know. I kind of like looked out the window and was having like thoughts about how like humanity is like so strange that we've, I, there was like the idea of like staying in our own lane.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I, I had this thought of like humanity, if humanity stayed in our own lane, we'd be monkeys in Africa still. And we'd never have developed any of the technology that we have, let alone having an airplane that we can look down at our civilization and be like, wow, there's a whole new perspective on what it looks like to be a human. Mm-hmm. Like just looking yeah. down at the world and being like, wow, like look at how we're ridiculously like we broke all conventions. Like we can fly 30,000 feet above, the, yeah. <laughs> above the ground and go across the planet or across the country in four hours (laughs) and like, it's just so crazy. I don't know. I just had this like profound, like experience of like looking down at the world and like seeing the world at a new perspective Mm -hmm. as like an inner journey, almost like it was really cool. And I had like this, you know, I gave myself training Mm -hmm. (laughs) in in mindfulness and being present because I knew that I couldn't be anywhere faster. So I'm like, well, here we go. And I like, I remember. And I'm like, like my left knee was bouncing and I'm like there, and I the and I was like, all right, you're gonna you're gonna plant your heels. And now like you're gonna close your eyes and you're gonna do deep breaths, you know. Just and I just did that for like five deep breaths, and then just like, okay, you're just gonna watch mm-hmm. that. And then you're gonna, you know, just make sure that you're you're you know straight back, feet the heels don't come up. And then I just kinda did that and I just had my hands resting and I don't know, it was just so crazy that I could actually control the antsiness. And not judge it and not hold on to it and be like, I'm an antsy person, right? Like, you start labeling yourself as that thing.
0: (laughs) And yeah, so you being in an airplane and talking about looking down and having a new perspective Mm -hmm. made me want to make a joke about flat earthers and be like, oh, you didn't see the curvature, did you? But that also brings me back to that documentary that I love uh, called Beyond the Curve or something on Netflix, Mm
2: -hmm. which I highly recommend. Interesting.
0: Because it's about flat earthers versus like scientists. And they talk about, like, the Dunning-Kruger effect and echo chambers and things like that. And especially when someone feels demonized, how they really retreat into a community that might not be the best for them. And so, but the the documentary finishes up by saying, like, we're all flat earthers in some regard. Like, you know, and we all have Mm Dunning-Kruger effects all over our life. And I think it's, it's one of those things that goes back and, like, you know, maybe we... I can certainly say I don't humble myself all the time at all. Um, There's a lot of things that you just either think you know or you think you're justified in or like, but, and even if it is back to like feeling anxious or feeling bummed, you know, you need to be humble enough to approach that the correct way to be productive about it. And if your ego is too much in the way or you're too confident about something or too uninformed and you would like to continue your ignorance, that's not great. Mm-hmm. So mindfulness can help with that whole Dunn and Kruger deal, and like you yeah, know, also watch that documentary because it's awesome.
1: Yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. had to check
0: that one out. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. It's almost comical to some degree. Really? I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, it's it's if it's talking about you yeah. know, mm-hmm. flat Earth stuff. Yeah. It's
0: kind of silly in some degree. Yeah, but they they do such a good job of like you know, just bringing it back to be like they almost kind of wrap it up with like science is almost is just responsible. Are just as responsible for the rise in flat earthers mm-hmm. because of how much we've demonized these people and how much we've caused them to retreat into their own community. Instead of being like, Hey, let's have a conversation about why you think this. Mm-hmm. They're just like, ha ha, look at this guy. And then he goes up to, he goes back to his friends and there's no, there's no gap to bridge. Yeah. So I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, so I think we're about to hit an hour and
1: I want to just kind of uh, yeah, yeah. hit some last things about mindfulness and if you want to add in like for anyone else there that's, you know, antsy, fizzy, skeptic, you name it. Like if it's hard for you to figure out how to, you know, even if you don't like the name mindfulness or meditation, change the name. Whatever makes sense to you, I think is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, like it doesn't matter about the name. You know, even if it's like call, if you just tell yourself breathe, like just say yeah. that I think is really good. But the some of the things that we talked about was like, it's more important to create a regular habit, like saying, so it's like, it's called stacking habits. We, we mentioned it. So it's like, after X, I will do mi- mindfulness,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like after my shower, I will do mindfulness okay. or, uh, after I, you know, shave, I'll do t- five deep breaths or 10 deep breaths. The, one of the things we talked about was like doing 10 deep breaths in three different situations. So low stress, medium stress, high stress, just doing something like that counts. Mm-hmm. well that'll help calm too but it also helps generating this mindfulness moment stuff yeah. too so cool. that's kind of where i wanted to go with those just kind of singular wrap-up points to kind of make it tactical for those of you out there that may or not be um sure about it yet or interested yeah. um other books i would recommend is 10% happier so that's the same thing as dan harris he's a abc news correspondent he has a book called 10% Happier. There's an app called 10% Happier. Um, then there's also, you know, Calm. What was the other one? Headspace. Headspace, that's the other one. And then there's also Sam Harris's Waking Up, which is also very good. I would say between the two of them, or the four of those, rather, the 10% Happier and head, or Waking Up are very different. Like, they go deeper. Like, they go more into the into the mind so to speak whereas those other ones are more of like meditative practice Mm -hmm. like just you're breathing you're de-stressing that kind of stuff or you're not like not holding on to your own (laughs) thoughts whereas if you want to start peeling back the layers of the onion so to speak Mm -hmm. of what mindfulness can do for you as a contemplative human being and going deeper into your own psyche that gets a little that gets way deeper (laughs) and that's not for beginners either but i'm just kind of Putting it out there for those of you, if that sounds like something you might be interested in at one point, going to be honest, I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I do. Mm-hmm. I So I don't know if you have any final thoughts.
0: I would, uh, just to build on that too, um, I think, I think there's some statistics out there. I can't remember where from, mm-hmm. but you know, meditation isn't always productive for everybody. Like it doesn't necessarily reach everybody. Yeah. At least not as, it, it might have different um, reasons, no different um Byproducts for other okay. for it's like so for some person it might completely change their life and someone else is just like yeah I guess we can calm down a little bit
2: mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah
0: and so for that not to demean the actual practice of meditation and I think it's worth figuring out if it is for you because it is highly likely that it would be and so it's you know it's worth trying to them the habit mm-hmm. but if you eventually over time if you're interested in it and it just doesn't seem to be working for you um drop it <laughs> it's not even that find find different ways meditation is a kind of again back to that vacuum so like mm. the, the actual practice of sitting down and thinking alone is one thing but like this journey started for me like seven years ago when i was working two jobs and mm-hmm. going to school full time and stuff like that and so what i would do is i would like put aside two to three hours when i could and i would just find a new nature preserve and i would just walk and not think about a thing and i would just be alone in nature by lakes and whatever and just like just do me alone and like mm-hmm. wanted to be away from people, which was well, out of character for me. Yeah, that like a is, huge extra, it is so, very, very interesting but, for you to kind of get that, But you know, they, they've like, again, I don't know where I read this, but I was glad that it kind of set me up for like thinking certain things about meditation, but like, you know, it doesn't have to be sitting in a room alone, quiet and mm-hmm. just breathing. Yeah. It can be like, even exercise is some to some degree a level of meditation, yeah. like you said, get out of your head and into your body kind of yeah. thing. So there's there's other means, and it doesn't have to be this specific. But it, it's it's it is again about giving yourself a bit of an escape from all the things you have to react to. Cool. So when you get that, yeah,
1: that's an awesome, perfect perfect note to end this on. I think that was really good. Cool. Um, Thanks. Awesome, Nick. And we'll definitely be having to do more of these because we barely scratched the surface on most of these <laughs> tools here. We kind of just circled around mindfulness for the most part, but. Yeah, this is kind of one of the biggest ones that I kind of wanted to feel like to articulate better so that we weren't so. Because it's easy to get too excited about it and get away from like how to actually implement these things. Mm -hmm. Because for those of us who've never done it or never been exposed to it or have a certain viewpoint on it, like we most of us have had, it doesn't seem, it seems very foreign, especially for me. Like I was like, Sitting for five minutes, that sounds like an eternity. I can get so much done in five minutes, right? Um, yeah, you know, the hamster in a maze or hamster in a wheel kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just hope maybe this dispels some things or if there's anything we didn't cover very well, please um, shoot us questions, please, because I want to get better at articulating these things and figuring out ways to break through and figure out what helps or what doesn't work. So, yeah. Sweet. Till next time, everybody. Adios. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's That's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that, and if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net, and with that, thanks for listening, and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see
2: you in the next episode.